Welcome to the Executive Security Podcast, where we talk to CISOs and other leaders in cybersecurity about careers in this industry, specifically how to get into it and how to advance. My name is Gene Fay, the CEO of ThreadX, an API and application security company, and the host of the Executive Security Podcast. Today, we're joined by Ed Giles, CEO and founder of Ares Consulting. Welcome, Ed. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, Friday and really excited about the weekend, though I don't have any major plans, but my two daughters are coming home, so I'm excited about that. That's great. That's great. Love it when my boy comes home from school. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, I'm excited to talk with you, Ed, because you uh, are focused on a topic I'm particularly uh, passionate about, and that is helping our our seniors get protected online. It's uh, probably, I think my next passion project is going to be... working on this full-time, but uh, glad to see you're doing some really cool things. And so so let's kind of jump into it and let's talk a little bit about kind of your backstory and journey into cybersecurity. I, I know you've mentioned that you started out as an English major. Yeah, I didn't actually start out as an English major. That's where I kind of landed. I started out as an engineering student and okay. I was going to go to a 3-2 program at Hillsdale College in Michigan, where I would go for three years and studied liberal arts. And then I would do two years at an engineering school like University of Michigan. And halfway through, I realized that I loved writing and I loved analyzing literature. So I ended up majoring in English. And after college, I went off and worked at a nonprofit educational institute out on the East Coast as a managing editor. And while I was there, I was really responsible for bringing books and journals to print every year. And I was coming out of college about the time of desktop publishing when it was starting to come into its own. And I was looking at their process and I'm like, there's this whole new thing called desktop publishing where we could bring all of this stuff in-house and we'd reduce time, we'd reduce cost. I mean, we really should look at it. And so we did and we brought it in and we saved a lot of money and we were able to take some of what we saved and redirect it to growing the program. Our institute really consisted of about 50,000 members who were students and faculty all over the world. And I said, I keep hearing about this thing called the internet, and they use something called email, and it's on all the college campuses. And I said, we should really start looking at this. So I set up their first email account, and I set up their first website, and it was great. And about that time, I got maybe a little bit cocky and I thought, well, I should be going off and doing this computer stuff on my own. So I set up my own consulting firm and it failed. And the best thing about it is I learned about my strengths. I learned about my weaknesses. And so I started doing some contract work to make some money. And I ended up at NBD Bank in Detroit. And NBD Bank was acquired by First Chicago to become First Chicago NBD. And that was then acquired by Bank One, which would eventually be acquired by Chase. So before that happened, I actually jumped to Northern Trust, where I worked for 21 years uh, with 17 of those years in cybersecurity. And then in February of 2020, I took early retirement and set up my own consulting firm. And this time, I'm a little more successful. So I'm I'm (laughs) really enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. But I have to say that I really wish that we would do more to encourage students coming out of the liberal arts to consider cybersecurity. When I ask students coming out with a liberal arts degree why they don't consider cybersecurity, the first thing they say is, well, I don't know any coding. It's not just about coding, right? You've got the ability to think critically, hopefully, and put ideas together and communicate well. So I'd 
I'd love to see more of a push to draw people from the liberal arts into our line of work. Yeah, totally agree. We did a study that we recently just published the results, and I forget the exact numbers, but it's like 40, 50, 60% of people say, hey, if I were just exposed to cybersecurity, I would have been more likely to consider a career in cybersecurity. So yeah, I think that to your point, I think we as practitioners need to do a better job of our outreach to the non-technical aspects of universities and high schools to help uh, expose people to the idea of what this industry is and what it's about and and why you know you've had a successful long-term career i've had a successful long-term career in it and it's only growing so yeah i I totally agree and i think that liberal arts students in particular that ability to think critically and understand the dynamic nature of uh, the world i think is exactly the types of skills that we need to bring to our industry so yeah totally agree maybe that's a topic you and i can work on together sometime (laughs) in the future you know absolutely Absolutely. So you run some cybersecurity seminars for seniors. I want to talk about these seminars for a couple of reasons. One, it's a great example for our listeners of combining CPE credits uh, with giving back. And in October, it's cybersecurity awareness. And we're actually doing a little campaign here at ThreadX about protecting seniors on, online. And so I'd love to for you to share you know, a couple of tips on ways our listeners can help seniors in their day-to-day lives interacting with technology and, and the risk factors associated with that? Well, I had three things in mind. Three things come to mind right away, and that is commit a maxim to live by and don't panic. So let me go to the first one. The first thing is I'm going to encourage all your listeners, commit to doing two presentations within the next 12 months. The only thing you have to lose is the time that you spend doing the presentation and getting prepared for it. You get 10 CPEs out of it, which I think is a pretty good deal. But once you do it, you're going to get a pretty good sense of whether or not you really like to do it and whether it's something that you want to keep doing. I did my first two and I loved it. And it was after the second one that I gained a real appreciation for why this is so important. After that presentation, a gentleman walked up to me and he said, I wish I'd heard this presentation seven months ago. And I said, oh, why do you say that? And he said, I was a victim of one of the scams that you were talking about. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. And he said, I'm not really sure what to do at this point. And I said, well, did you contact the authorities? And he said, yeah, I did. And I filed a report with them. And I said, well, did you talk to the FBI maybe? And he said, yeah, I, I reached out to them too. And I said, have you heard anything? Then I I said, well, you should try reaching out to them. You should try to see if there's been any developments in your case. And what struck me then is if he had received that presentation several months ago, he wouldn't be in the position he's in now. And so if there's any reason to do it, it's maybe to help somebody from losing in many cases, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, the stories I've heard just would make you cry. I mean, these are not people that can afford to lose this kind of money. So it's really important that we get out there. So the first thing is commit, go out, do some of these. I mean, it's a few hours of your time, but it's well worth it. And the people that hear it really appreciate it. The second thing is maxims to live by. So one of the things that I 
I present that's not in the Center for Cyber Safety and Education presentation that I use is a maxim that every senior is familiar with it, which is, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And I don't even have to finish it. I just say, if it's too good to be true, they all chime in, it probably is, because they know, they've lived long enough to know that if it's too good to be now. The reason they fall for this stuff still is because this is an unknown technology, right? But if you reassure them and say, hey, the maxim is still true, live by it, right? So that's been a great thing to pass on to the seniors. And then the third thing, and this is in the presentation, and it's a great starting point, don't panic. So the worst thing that people do, the worst thing that seniors do, and I've heard their stories, is they panic. And they think that they have to act right away. And they don't have anything better to do in some cases. And so they will rush to do, exactly. you know. Fill out their day. Right. So, hey. Yeah. You know, they'll rush. They'll go. Problem out. to be solved. I got something to do now. Yeah. Yes. Got to run to Target and get those gift cards. Right. Right. Yes. But they panic. And I said, what I encourage them to do is just sort of step back and say, hey, I'm doing something right now. Can you call me in 15 minutes? And oftentimes they'll say, yeah, okay, I'll call you back in 15 minutes because that's not necessarily a long time uh, for a scammer. And reach out to somebody who you trust who can advise you in this regard or just don't pick up the phone when they call again. There's nothing so urgent that you need to do something like that right away. Yeah, yeah. I think those are are great uh, words to live by, Ed, and I... We're talking about particular seniors, but this really goes for everybody. I told this story on the podcast, but I was golfing with a friend of mine. We're just about to tee off the first hole and uh, his phone rings and it's his father saying that his son just got arrested and they're on the phone with the lawyer and he hit a pregnant lady and he's freaking out and ready to run off the golf course. I'm like, slow down to your point. Stop. Hang out with your father. Call your son. Don't do anything else. Call your son. No, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh. I said, look, I get it. You've already got him in cuffs. Uh, and he, call your son. And uh, he hangs up, calls his son, and uh, his son's sleeping. So yeah, the whole thing was a scam, right? And it's, it's those types of things that happen. And, and unfortunately, with AI, it's only going to get harder because they're going to do voice replication and things like that. So I think that to your point, for our seniors, it's like, it's too good to be true. It's, it isn't. And then to your point, call somebody. So if you get a text, if you get a phone call and it's saying it's somebody, simply just say, hey, let me call you back. And whatever they say, just hang up. And you know, ultimately what they're preying on is the niceness of people, right? So you got to be a little mean and you got to say no, all right? And uh, be persistent. But uh I love those those words to live by. They're really, uh, they're important. And uh, I, I love the fact you're putting out uh, seminars. And if you record one, I'm sure we can uh, post just that specific to the podcast and share that as well. So if we can take that as an action item for sure. So finally, you told us, uh, for those that are new to this, uh, to the cyber industry, you know, need to approach this job as a business partner. And can you explain that for our listeners that are trying to get into cyber or new to cyber? What do you mean by by a business partner? Sure. So people finally get that cybersecurity is important, but they still view cybersecurity as a, a necessary obstacle to overcome. 
sadly. And they view security as an unabler, as a friend of mine once said. <laughs> I want to be an enabler, right? I want to make sure that I enable the business because if the business isn't making money, then nobody's really benefiting there, right? So I, I have this sort of mantra around Eris, which is know, manage, and enable. And so I want to start with the objective of securely enabling the business. Well, so how do you do that? How are you going to do that without starting with an understanding about the business? You need to understand something about the business. And how are you going to go do that if the business doesn't understand that you're answerable to auditors, regulators, shareholders, the board, clients, and maybe most importantly to them, prospective clients, right? So like so many things, it just boils down to relationships. You can't answer those questions without developing relationships. So how do you develop relationships? You start with a little humility, right? You put yourself out there. You listen. Don't talk. Listen. Ask questions. Ask more questions and then offer to help. And that's how you begin to build those relationships, especially with the business. Try to understand what their problems are first. I'm on this podcast with you because of a relationship I established a long time ago with Mike Bart. So, but once you get to that point where you have that relationship, you can begin to think about how do you manage that relationship. So once you've gotten to that point, it oftentimes involves laying out what you know and articulating to the business the trade-offs that they need to consider. And this is where understanding principles of risk management becomes so imperative. So often there are people who focus on the bad things that might happen and they think about all the security controls that they have to put into place and without considering some of the good things that certainly won't happen in this effort to prevent the bad things. So the extreme example that everyone knows is, okay, we're going to block everything at the firewall. Okay, that's a bit extreme, but let's take a more subtle example. Like, let's say you're going to buy a company that has developed an application and this application has a poor architecture and known vulnerabilities, but it does something really great that no one else is doing, right? So if you purchase the software, you're going to be able to bring in more profitable clients, right? But you've got to deal with these vulnerabilities. So do you not buy the software because of the vulnerabilities? So you have to step back and kind of consider the trade-offs. Yes, you can buy it and you can fix it later. Or you cannot buy it because of all the vulnerabilities and the things that might happen versus the things that won't happen because you don't buy the software. So I thought it would be worth mentioning at this time. One of the best non-cyber books I've ever read on risk management is actually a book by a guy named Bjorn Lomborg called Cool It. And Bjorn Lomborg is interesting. He was a, a climate change activist and he was completely bought into the perils of climate change. And he changed his thinking along the way. And he stepped back to take a look at the cost that would be involved in really tackling climate change. And then he set that against, well, if we put all of this money into tackling climate change, we're taking money away from these other things that we could actually solve. So he makes the case that you're not going to completely solve the climate change problem. He's not challenging whether or not climate change is happening. He's questioning how much of an effect can you have. And then he's also considering 
what's the trade-off? What are you going to be unable to fix if you're off fixing this? And so I would encourage anyone who wants to get a better understanding of risk management, pick that book up. It's an easy read. It's a thin book. And it kind of lays out the principles of risk management in a, a very digestible way. Wow, that's very interesting. Well, that's great. Well, awesome, Ed. I knew you were going to be a great guest and you definitely were. So thank you uh, so much for your time. As a reminder to our listeners looking to up their cybersecurity skills, you can get one year free content from our cybersecurity training portal, ThreadX Academy, by using the promo code podcast. ThreadX Academy covers a wide variety of cybersecurity topics. You can learn more by going to academy.threadx.com. Also check out our recent episode with Yuri Dojins. He's the author of Building a Career in Cybersecurity. We're giving away a couple of copies of his book. So tune in to get details about that. And finally, if you want to learn more about API and application security, please visit our website at threadx.com. Ed, thank you again for your time and for being a wonderful guest. I appreciate it so much. Gene, thanks for having me on. It was it was great. Look forward to speaking with you in the future. 